Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Thank you for joining us for the program. Our life is a life of choices, isn't it? We make them all the time. We make them all day long. And God is very for that. He's given us a will so that we can make choices. Please listen to this clip. It's really very revealing about how we don't need to have fear in our lives because God is with us. To Isaiah, the 41st chapter. The 41st chapter of Isaiah. Many times in this book alone, the Lord had a very special phrase that he used in addressing Jacob and Israel. It's repeated over and over again in the Word of God. And it, when something is repeated that many times, it's repeated for a very definite reason. First of all, the mind needs to be challenged with it, comforted with it, and hear it with repetition. In the 10th verse of Isaiah 41, Fear thou not. In the 14th verse of the same chapter, Fear not thou worm. In the 44th chapter, and the 2nd verse, Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. So, this phrase is repeated over and over again as God addresses either Jacob or Israel and says, Fear not. In verse 10, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. And yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And when a person comes to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and listens to those words said in their divine intent, it's easy to see how vital and how important they are. Now think with me. Fear not. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. And the Lord is saying, Jacob, you have, you have spent a lot of time in fear. You feared many things. Your father-in-law. You feared an Esau. And you have feared uh, many things after Joseph went into Egypt. But fear thou not, because... I am with thee. Now, let's say tonight that every born-again Christian here that is sealed with the Holy Spirit knew and understood experientially what it means to hear, I am with thee. Then, if we understood what it meant to have Jesus Christ with us, we would not fear. Because how could we fear? He has all power in heaven and in earth. In Matthew 28:18, And he's everywhere present in Psalm 139. 
and he has all knowledge. And therefore, he has already defeated our enemy and our enemies. And he's with us. And the one that has done all of that and is all of that says to Jacob, and we are the spiritual seed of Jacob, fear thou not, I am with you. Stop your fearing. Don't act like an atheist. Don't express emotional reaction like heathens. Don't act like that because I'm with you. Don't use the same methods to, as a solution for your problems as people do that do not have me. Don't fear. Fear is a result of sin and sin produces death and because of death man lives in eight kinds of fear. Now many people do not even know they fear. There are 26 kinds of pride in the Bible, eight kinds of fear, and eight effects of love that takes care of eight kinds of fear. For example, there's the fear which produces pride. Then there's the fear which produces insecurity. There's a fear which produces ambition. Then there's a fear which produces slothfulness. You're afraid to be ambitious. There's a fear because people are insincere toward you. Then there's a fear because they're sincere and you're not. You see, there's a fear of what will God think. Then there's a fear of you know what God thinks. And uh, one time you're honest, the other time you don't know. But there's eight kinds of fear in the Word of God. But God says to counteract those eight kinds of fear is joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and meekness, and temperance, or eight effects of the first cause, love. God's first cause is love, unconditional, motivated by who he is. The eight effects from love were just mentioned. It takes care of their eight major temptations in the Bible, and there are eight major fears in the Bible. And the effects of the first cause, one of those effects takes care of every single kind of fear and every single kind of temptation. So if man is living in the effects of the first cause love, he has no problem affecting the temptations which fear characterized to try to counteract the effect of his own love. And God comes and says, Fear not, for I am with you. If you really know I am with you, then you have no reason to fear. And Jesus Christ, in Hebrews the second chapter, and the fourteenth verse with the fifteenth, did away with fear, which placed everyone that were subject to death in bondage. And so he did away with every kind of fear. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you the right hand of his righteousness, meaning that it's a finished work forever. Now, you don't have to fear, and that's why you start out with God. Do you understand that? Now, think of it for a moment tonight. Just think of it. Then comes the imparted righteousness.
Now, because I have the imputed righteousness, I can rest in God's faith. But because I have the imparted righteousness, I can rest in my own through the word. Now, what, does, what is the difference between the imparted righteousness and the imputed righteousness? The imputed righteousness I receive all at once forever and it's perfect. The imparted righteousness comes to me through the Holy Spirit when I get saved and it seals me. But the measure and degree by which I experience it depends upon my obedience, my submission, my understanding the body, my entering into the cross life, and my entering into the corporate organism. I can, have, I can be just as spiritual as everyone else and not be very spiritual at all. Just as spiritual because of the imputed righteousness, but terribly carnal because I won't submit to the imparted righteousness. Imparted righteousness simply means Second Peter 1.4, the divine nature. The incorruptible seed of 1 Peter 1.23 and growing in grace and knowledge of a living God, Jesus Christ in 2 Peter 3.18. That's my... Then I feed and feed and obey and take up my cross that he has denied my self-life. And then the imparted righteousness grows and grows and grows. And now what God wants is my imputed righteousness to be understood, my imparted righteousness to be enjoyed. Then my inside life corresponds with my outside life. Or my standing in my state corresponds. Where I am in Christ, beautiful. What I am inside, beautiful. So if I get my imputed righteousness straight and get my imparted righteousness straight and understand that I'm still frail and I'm still human and understand that weakness is not sin unless I turn to self. When I turn to self, it becomes sin. And when I get these things straight and begin to grow with my imparted righteousness, what happens? I add things. Second Peter 1.4 I add many things. I keep adding, adding, adding as I grow, grow, grow. Add to faith and virtue and kindness and brotherly love and, and all of these things mentioned there in Second Peter 1, 4-9. And imparted righteousness takes over your life. So, he upholds you with the finished work righteousness and then you begin to experience the inward righteousness of plus I. Now watch it carefully in verse 14 when he says, Fear not, thou worm. Now notice what he says in verse 14. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob. He's calling him a worm and yet he's telling him not to fear. Now, uh, if somebody's living like a worm, why would you tell them to fear not? The only way is if you understood what God has done for the worm. Right? God has done so much for the worm that he can even tell a worm not to fear. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www. 
thegracianpublic.com. Wow, wasn't that great? God is with the worm, Jacob. And that he's given us his righteousness as a free gift. And so we are perfect before him as far as he's concerned, positionally, but also we have that imputed righteousness as we walk with God, as we know him, as the mind of Christ is in us. We let that mind be in us. We know where to wait on God, that we're to wait on the Lord. And that's an important part of our Christian life, as waiting on God, having a relationship with him, being with him in prayer, having everything that we do soaked with prayer. And it's very important. And yet we don't want to be passive in our in our Christian lives. We don't want to wait on God. We don't want to wait on definition from him all the time when, in truth, he's given us a will so that we'll use it, so that we'll make choices and go forward in what he's given us. Much like the Israelites who were given the promised land, And God commanded them to go take it. We have this great privilege in our life, being able to take the land. We're able to take what God has given us. And this is not something where we go out and claim whatever we want as a prize and then go take it and then say that this is the will of God. But when we let that mind that's in Christ Jesus be within us, when in Second Peter 3.18, we've grown in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we begin to understand his will for our lives. And we, we have the Bible embedded in our thinking because it's been our meditation. And we go off and we're worshiping God and praising God that if there's a job to be had in the world... It's our decision whether we'll take that or not. Now, does God have a will for us? Will he guide us and direct us along this decision-making path? Yes, he will. And it's important that before we make big decisions that we pray. And those, what is a big decision? Any real decision that's going to affect my life or the life of my family. To bathe that in prayer and to be in the midst of the body of Christ and to be under a pulpit where the word of God is being preached. And then I'm free as a free agent before God, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, to make decisions in my life. And God would want me to go and do that. And will he specifically lead me and guide me in many of these decisions? Yes, he will. But there are times in my life when I need to go confident of that leading, Because God has given us a free will, and he's delegated to us the authority and use of that will. We're good stewards of the decisions that we make. Stewardship is an amazing thing. It means that that the owner that Jesus has bought us with a price, that God the Father has bought us with the price of the blood of his Son. He has ownership over our lives. And yet, as the owner of our lives, he's given us stewardship of our will to make choices. There's a great verse. We know the verse in Matthew 24:35 that say, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And the word of God is forever settled in heaven. But it says in 1 John 2:17, And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. 
but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So not only does the word never pass away, but when we choose the choices of God, oh, that boy, that is so good. When we choose and align our will with what God has revealed that his will is through the scriptures, those who make those kinds of choices will never pass away. So those actions that are made in alignment with God's will, written in a book in heaven, will forever be a testimony of the life of God in the world. There are great passages in Deuteronomy 18 talking about the priesthood. In the New Testament, it's not a direct parallel to the Old Testament priesthood, but these principles are given for our learning for and this liberty that's given to the Levite says in Deuteronomy 18, starting in verse 6, And if a Levite come from any of thy gates out of all of Israel where he sojourned, and come with all the desire of his mind unto a place which the Lord shall choose, he shall minister in the name of his God, as all his brethren the Levites do, which stand there before the Lord. They shall have like portions. This is saying that the Levite has has liberty in Israel to go minister and minister in God's name. He's been given that authority. The Levitical priesthood was given that authority. You were given it by birth to be a Levite. But it's amazing there what it says. It says in, in verse 6, With all the desire of his mind unto the place which the Lord shall choose. And another translation says, And he may come when he desires to the place that the Lord will choose. We as believer priests are trusting that the Lord is directing our steps sometimes. That we, that we are going to end up in the place that the Lord has chosen. And though he may not specifically point out exactly where that is sometimes, he may not give specific direction about the next steps that we're to take. He gives us liberty within his plan to make those choices, and we should make them. And trusting him and in the purity of our minds, go forward with an expectation that God desires good for us. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www graceinpublic.com So maybe you've never chosen to walk with God before. You can make that choice. The first time we ever agree with God is when we choose to believe in what His Son, Jesus, has done on the cross for us. At His death, burial, and resurrection, that His shed blood was effectual in our lives as a free gift the evidence of a free gift of salvation. Him dying in our place, loving us, so that we might have eternal life and righteousness and be recognized in God's kingdom as one of his own. So would you receive that gift? Would you choose to receive Christ as your Savior? Pray a prayer, something like this. Lord, come into my life. Cleanse me, wash me. I surrender in this moment my will and say that you've given it to me as a stewardship 
You've delegated the authority to me to choose, and I choose you. I choose you today. If you're making that choice, then just like 1 John 2, 17, you're doing the will of God, and those who do the will of God abide forever.